millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My Craigslist roommate is creeping me out. For six healthy. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Happy years. My buddy Brian and I had a good thing going. Our apartment was a rent-controlled gem located just outside Manhattan. Two bedrooms, two baths, a luxurious view of the city, and nobody to whine about our equally shitty eating habits, bachelor lifestyle, and bad hygiene. What more could you want? That ended when the dickhead had to go and get himself married. Brian gave me the heads up two months ahead of time. The plan was that he would propose to his girlfriend Olivia and then surprise her with their very own new home. I was happy for the guy, but at the same time, I knew that made my options for a new roommate were pretty slim. We didn't have a lot of other friends. I had heard it was not uncommon for young, 
working professionals in the metro area to find roommates on Craigslist. In my case, that option was an unfortunate necessity. While the rent was reasonable, it was more than I could ever afford on my own. At that point, it was either find somebody else or move back to mom's house. At age 30, I hit the classified sections with full force. The weird thing was that almost nobody responded. I have to be honest, my marketing skills were not amazing. It was hard to think of the ad as anything different than a Tinder description. 30-year-old male looking for cool, understanding roommate. Keeps normal hours and must have employment or means to pay rent. I waited a month and a half until hearing anything back at all. The guy who eventually answered seemed normal enough. The email said he was a young professional like myself and worked at a financial firm in Brooklyn. After a couple messages back and forth, we agreed to meet at a breakfast spot in town. I was nervous that meeting. Brian and Liv made fun of me for my outfit, which was nothing more than a button-down shirt and some khakis. I hope your new girlfriend can keep you happy, Matt, Olivia said. I muttered some witty retort, but I was a bit worried. Brian and I had become brothers over the years, and this new guy sounded a little weird from his last email. There are some complications with my sleeping situation. We can discuss in person. It was raining the morning of our meeting, but the restaurant was only a block away from my place. I ran down the block in a hurry, aware of the fact I was late. When I walked up to the front door, there was a man standing outside in a gray trench coat with his eyes on his watch. I would have ignored him entirely if he didn't address me directly. Craigslist user First Breath 1, it's 10.05. I spun around awkwardly to greet him. Hey, sorry about that, lost track of time. Mike Wright? The man nodded and lifted the brim of his cringe-worthy bowler cap. Other than that, he was normal-looking, with mutton-chop sideburns that met a thinly-groomed beard. A modest gut stuck out of an old Star Wars shirt. To be honest, he looked like every guy from my high school, minus the weird M-Lady business. We went inside and ordered breakfast. To my surprise, he ordered the same thing as me. Two pancakes and a side of extra crispy bacon. The conversation was pleasant and normal enough. The rent was right up Mike's alley, the commute was close, and he would be able to bring and park his car in the lot. After a half hour of pleasantries, mostly about work, we finished our breakfast and agreed he would move in next week. Somehow, the topic of his sleeping habits slipped his mind. I guess I was too scared to ask move-in day was chaotic. Somehow, we screwed up the schedule so severely that Mike was moving in during the time Brian was moving out. By the end of the night, I was exhausted and went to bed around 10, with the two of them arguing about security deposits and scuff marks on the wall. When I woke up, the watch on my nightstand was the only light, and it told me it was well past 3 in the morning. It's not unusual for me to get up in the middle of the night. Usually, I stumble to the kitchen for a glass of water. Then it's right back to bed. I shook the sleep out of my eyes. After a moment of contemplation, I stood and nearly tripped over my dog, Lola. That was unusual. The door to my room was closed to keep the dog out. As I walked past the corner of my bed, I saw a muted shape in the armchair. Thinking one of the roomies left a bag on my bed, I walked right up and poked it in the darkness. To my surprise, it replied, Cut the piggy and save some for me, said Mike. I screamed out of my skin. Not ashamed to admit that. I tried everything from shaking him to kicking his feet. I didn't want to insult the guy too bad. 
Maybe it was just really bad sleepwalking, but nothing woke him up. Cut the cow. Its blood can be sold in town. Mike repeated the phrase over and over again from the armchair. He never moved or flinched an inch, and barely responded to my attempts to my restrained kicks, shoves, and subtle slaps. After five minutes, I gave up and brought my bedsheets down to the living room. He wasn't violent, at least. He just sat there. It was creepy, but possibly explainable. After settling in on the couch downstairs, I was over it. I was prepared to write the whole thing off as the weird sleep issues described in the email. Shortly before falling back asleep, I heard footsteps leaving my bedroom. I called out to Mike to not so nicely tell him off for waking me, but nobody answered. Soon enough, the footsteps dropped melodically down the padded carpet steps to our living room. Then they stopped at the bottom. Cut the little piggy and save some for me, the voice said robotic ally. Oh, for F's sake. I got up from the couch, grabbed my keys, and sprinted out the door. As I opened it, I caught a glimpse of Mike down the hall. He was staring at the microwave in the kitchen, mumbling the same words to himself. I resigned to spend the rest of the night sleeping in my car outside. It was uncomfortable. When you're a teenager, sleeping in your car is a lot more manageable. As an adult, I felt like an asshole. I should have known the guy was a weirdo from the start. I got about two additional hours of sleep before the rising sun peeked through my windshield. That day was a work day, but I was unshaven and disgusting. I needed to go back inside to change and wash the stink of the morning off my skin. When I opened the car door, Mike was standing on the other side. Outside. He was wearing his corny bowler cap on top of his best bedroom gear, which was boxers and a white t-shirt. He wasn't wearing his glasses. Cut the piggy and save some for me, he said again. I punched him in the face. Honestly, after being woken up three times in the night by the guy, he's lucky it was the least I did. As soon as my fist connected with his nose bone, Mike let out a high-pitched shriek as he fell to the sharp gravel grounds of the parking lot. What the F man, he said, bewildered from the floor. Finally, I went to the rental office this morning and asked them to evict him. They refused. The contracts have already been signed and his rent and security deposit have been paid. It is hard to explain the uneasy feeling in my stomach right now. I'm at work waiting and hoping for somebody to find a solution to get this guy out of my house. The time is currently 1.24 and Mike is still there. He texted me that we need to talk. I got a lock at Home Depot. But I am terrified to go to sleep tonight. Part 2. After work last night, I was greeted at the front door by my fully conscious Craigslist roommate. He was wearing clothes, this time, and a look of uncompressed embarrassment. Look, man, I am really sorry about what happened, he offered to the stale, empty, hallway air. When you and I last spoke, I was a little freaked out. I took the day to reconsider. Some of your comments really helped with that. The internet is full of seemingly supernatural shit when it comes to sleepwalking. The possibility that the situation was explainable in a rational, non-crazy way still weighed heavily on me. So after seeing Mike's remorse and good intentions... I was open to giving the guy a second chance. Plus, did you get pizza? That was a good start. There was no aggression in his tone whatsoever, if anything. He sounded a little freaked out himself. He had always had a problem with traveling in his sleep. When he was nine, his mom caught him walking around the neighborhood in pajamas at three in the morning. 
that was just one instance. As an adult, he usually took the time to put a lock on the outside of his door, but that night he was so exhausted that he didn't bother. There had not been any episodes for months with his new medication. The creepy things he said were explainable too. Mike's grandmother was a weird little old lady that grew up on a farm somewhere in the Midwest. At night, she would sing these creepy ditties to him before bed. They were designed to help children adjust to the harsh circumstances of growing up near a slaughterhouse. She started to lose her mind a bit towards the end. Mike just thought it was her way of comforting him to sleep. Cut the little piggy and save some for me. Cut the cow, its blood can be sold in town. The two of us actually had a pleasurable chat throughout the evening. After a couple hours of actually getting to know Mike, with the aid of a case of Miller Lite, I learned he was not half a bad guy. He grew up in a Jersey town 20 minutes from mine. Our mothers, coincidentally, went to the same high school in Brooklyn back in the 60s. Our families had a lot of ties over the years just by being from the same area. With a little background, he was nowhere near as menacing. Soon enough, it was time for bed again. To give you a little more information on the layout of our apartment, the living room is downstairs on the first level. Our two bedrooms are upstairs on opposite ends of the hallway with a mutual bathroom in the middle. So when I drilled the indoor lock on my door, it was not exactly subtle. Mike gave me a sheepish grin as he installed his own from the other side of the hallway. After a few moments, I waved goodnight and took Lola in my room this time. For precautionary reasons, it was only an hour later that I heard his fists smack through the wood like a drunken zombie. Somehow he got through. Lola started to growl by my side as the wooden frame splintered and collapsed under Mike's considerable weight. His footsteps stumbled forward lazily down the hall. They paused at the intersection of my staircase and room. I reached for the bat beside my bed, but to my relief, the steps strolled downstairs. Even in his sleep, Mike was able to unlatch the chain from our front apartment door. In the stillness of the evening, I thought I heard him repeat his favorite phrase, Cut the cow, its blood can be sold in town. And then he was gone. I thought about chasing after him. In fact, Lola and I even got up to survey the damage. But before that could happen, the door downstairs opened again. Two voices laughed nervously as they entered our apartment. One was female. She giggled in the cadence of a girl being wooed. I almost laughed myself in that moment. He was asleep and gone for two minutes, but still Mike had still managed to scare himself up some company. Two pairs of feet scurried up the stairs excitedly. They hung a sharp right turn at the top and headed for Mike's room. The woman laughed hysterically when she saw what must have been Mike's shattered door. Cut the little piggy and save some for me, he offered aloud. She giggled again and said, Stop it, you. The noise suggested that they climbed over the misshaped door frame and landed somewhere around his bed. After that, how do I put this delicately? They had sex. The noise they made was horrible. There was some rhythm to it, sure, but they sounded more like two barnyard animals completing the basic requirement for life. I guess the fact the shattered door made it all the more easy to hear, but they were loud. The moans and groans that emanated down the hallway barely sounded human. After two and a half minutes, their romance ended with a rather rough thud against the wall. Lola started to growl again. One pair of feet got up from the bed. The owner was quiet as they grabbed a seemingly large object and began to drag it by their side. I feared the worst 
and geared up by grabbing my bat and my 60-pound German Shepherd, we sprinted across my bedroom and undid the lock in half a moment. When we opened our door, Mike was standing in the hallway, by himself, covered in blood. His back was turned to me. He was crouched and struggling. It looked as though he was trying to drag something along the carpet. His arms were outstretched in exactly that mannerism, but when I poked my head to see more, nobody else was there. Handprints and markings were smeared on the wall in every which way. I screamed out to Mike to explain what the F was happening at that moment. He turned around slowly. There was a maniacal look in his once trustworthy eyes. Cut the piggy, save some for me. Then he tried to charge me. When Mike ran, he was already crouched down, so it could have been considered natural that he skittered forward on all fours. But the way he licked his lips and bared his teeth suggested something a lot more sinister and disturbing. Whatever it was, Lola did not like it. She was on top of him and ripping at the blood-covered t-shirt before he could travel five feet. The voice that laughed during this attack was not Mike's. It was that woman. In a high-pitched giggle, he repeated the same line from earlier in the night. Stop it, you. After a couple moments' hesitation, I pulled my dog off his back and bolted her back in my bedroom. Mike looked like he might try to make another run at me. His face was covered in scratches, and the cloth from his shirt was ripped in several places. He looked more rabid than Lola. Following my own advice, I landed a solid punch to his already shattered cheekbone. He woke up after that. Mike immediately tried to apologize in his confused stupor. The blood was explainable. He opened his hand to reveal a large cut that ran across his palm. He claimed to know nothing about leaving the apartment, or the voices, or attacking me, or anything at all. He also begged me not to report it. I haven't. Yet, I took my dog and left without a word. The time is 7.20 p.m. on a Saturday. I return to my apartment to pick up my stuff. The blood is cleaned up. Nobody is here. Instincts and everyone else will tell me to leave. To get a hotel. To give up. But wherever I go, I sure as hell will not sleep well tonight. Part 3 When I signed off on Saturday night, something in the house did not feel quite right. I don't know how to describe it. The apartment was empty and dark. There was not a soul or anything suspicious in sight. But sure enough, around 7.30, the lock downstairs clicked and slipped suddenly to the left. I could hear the familiar patter of four feet skittering across the wood floor. Without assuming too much more, I knew I was trapped the moment it opened the door. It was not my new roommate. That was clear. The voice that spoke at first was confident, feminine, and free of fear. Tut, 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 it said while walking through the kitchen. This place is filth, defined Michael. Do you clean? Mike's sheepish voice replied. I am sorry, Grandma. Grandma. Suddenly the puzzle pieces started to connect. The door slammed shut and locked behind while Lola quietly cried. I will not lie to you. This is dirtier than the farm. Truly, who is responsible for this mess? Does your father know? He is a nice man, Grandma. Please don't hurt him, said Mike. Not like last time, he added. Nonsense. A nice man does not leave his house in such a pigsty. That better not be alcohol in the corner. Lola barked. Grandma did not like that. Are you keeping a filthy mutt in this house too, Michael? She shrieked. No, ma'am, the animal is. His, Mike said apologetically. 
I don't care if you are protecting the Pope's pet, Junior. We do not keep animals inside. Animals are food. You know a heck of a lot better than this, boy. Or do you need another smacking as a reminder? Mike paused. Then he seemed to agree, regretfully. Cut the cow. Its blood can be sold in town. Very good. Now let's go and cut the piggies together. F this, I thought. This is my apartment. I decided to call downstairs with a warning. I don't know why I thought that would work. Call it a sudden inclination of idiotic bravery. Mike, you need to get the F out of here. I am upstairs behind a locked door. I am armed, and neither of us want a repeat of the last couple nights. Both voices paused in response. Then they skittered up the stairs in record time. I wrapped the metal bat around my shoulder, like it would do something, when faced with full-on crazy. I had never been a fan of guns, but in that moment I would have felt a lot safer with one in my hand. As soon as the four feet got to to the top of the stairs, they slammed the full brunt of their weight into my bedroom door. It didn't budge, but the framing and wood did start to splinter. The monster formerly known as my roomie shrieked horribly. He sounded injured, or just angry, but neither stopped him from slamming into the door a second, third, and fourth time. Somewhere in between, I pulled out my phone and called 911. I turned on speakerphone, let it ring, and threw it back on the bed. Then I got ready to fight. The grandma or Mike hybrid broke through on the fifth try. There was blood on his shoulders and arms. Bits and pieces of splintered wood stuck out through the holes on Mike's t-shirt. But that did not seem to bother him one bit. He stood to his feet and stared me straight in the eyes, glasses askew and wide awake. He had taken steps to cover up the injuries on his face. Honestly, that was not that weird. But he did not stop at a simple touch-up. Mike's face was completely caked in makeup, from the blush on his bruises to the eyeliner all over his black eye. He wore a knee-length, flowing skirt, too, with a lily-white, shoulder-cut shirt. Mike took a minute to consider his surroundings. When he or they spoke, the voice was still shrill and high. Ah! So you are the bastard who beat up my Mikey. I tried to reason, but I was scared. So was Lola. She whimpered from under my bed and watched hesitantly. Mike, you are not yourself right now, I said in my best steady voice. You told me that your grandmother passed away. She is not here. You are not her. He smiled at that. Then he produced a long kitchen knife from behind his back. Cut the piggy and save some for me, he said. Cut the cow, its blood can be sold in town, said his grandmother. The glasses on Mike's face were crooked and to the side. I knew he was nearly blind without them. When he lunged at me, I aimed the bat at that spot. Mike caught, caught it in the air. I struggled with him for a few moments. He was impossibly strong. In a moment, Mike had me pinned to the bed with the bat in his hands. The last thing I saw was the metal logo clip the side of my face. The last thing I heard was a vicious growl rip across our shared space. I woke up to a pair of big brown eyes by my side. Sir, are you with me now? I nodded groggily to my hazy surroundings. Good. I can promise you we don't normally allow dogs along for an ambulance ride. But maybe we can make an exception. The woman came into a focus. She was a nurse. I breathed an audible sigh of relief. That was harder than it sounds. My understanding from the detectives is this little girl was a hero tonight. What happened to Mike? Where am I? Where is Mike? 
When I asked those questions, the words whistled through cracked teeth and cotton balls and sounded like jargon. Easy. You were the victim of assault, sir. I nodded. From what I understand, that call you made was very lucky. The operators were able to hear a fight in the background. Is my dog okay? She understood that question. Lola is fine. She is next to you. The nurse laughed. I'm sorry, I don't see this kind of happy ending often. She had the suspect cornered in your bedroom until the police were able to arrive. Like I said, she's a hero. I was discharged after a 10-hour hospital stay. My head still feels on fire today. If this update is not perfect, and the verse sounds lazy and rehearsed, you must forgive me. Based on the fact my entire body feels like I belong in a hearse. Mike is in prison. My limited understanding, after a limited amount of questioning, is that he was a suspect in several other incidents. Two years ago, his paternal grandmother passed away under mysterious circumstances. Two months ago, his previous roommate went missing. She was only 23. He is being asked about both incidents extensively, now that he is in custody. I am not sure if they're interviewing Mike or Grandma. Hopefully both. I am back in the apartment now. I am alone. But who knows for how long. Unfortunately, I still need a new roommate. Last year, my mom had a heart attack, so I used all my savings to help pay for her medical bills. I was searching for any job I could find. I checked websites like Facebook, Craigslist, and eBay. Unfortunately, I couldn't commit to a full-time job because of my situation, but I wanted to do some part-time odd jobs now and then. At one point, I even had up to five jobs. I was having panic attacks because I was so stressed, but my mom's health was more important to me. I wanted to ensure she was okay during her recovery, and I didn't want her to worry about the money we owed. I had saved up almost 30 grand, and almost all of it was used to pay the hospital bill. I reached a point where it became really hard to pay my rent because I only had enough money from each paycheck. To try and improve my situation, I went on Craigslist and searched for some delivery jobs. I had done things like delivering food, papers, and products before but that was when I was much younger in my teens. I found a job posting for a private company that was looking for someone to deliver their food as a subcontractor. This company prepared meals that were already prepared and ready to eat, primarily for elderly individuals or people who didn't want to cook. People would order these meals online or over the phone, and I would go to their place and drop off the food at their address. I started doing this for a few weeks, and it wasn't too bad. I mean, it was stressful and hard, but it gave me extra money, which went into my bank account at the end of each week. After a while, I tried to get to know some of the people I delivered to. Most of them were older folks, around 60 to 70 years old, and many were lonely elderly ladies or couples in their 60s and 80s. I would stop and talk with them for a bit and get to know them. I began to like the job because many of them would give me tips for the deliveries, and they were quite generous. Every time a few families would have both lunch and dinner from the same delivery service. However, I only worked during the dinner shift, so I never saw them at lunchtime. One Friday evening, it was my last shift before the weekend. Unlike most people, I still had to work on weekends, but not for this job. I only did it from Monday to Friday. I remember getting ready to finish work when I returned to the depot. 
Just then, we received one more order for a two-course meal. The company wasn't very big and had only about four vehicles, covering around a 20-mile area in the local town where I lived, so it wasn't as large as you might think. We got a new order, and I didn't recognize the address. By that time, I had been working there for about a month and a half, so I logged it in and had to use a GPS. For most of the orders, I knew all the roads and house names by heart, and almost 90% of the time, I didn't even need the GPS. Until this time, I entered the code and the area into the GPS and set off. It was going to be the last delivery of the day for me. When I reached the house, it was a small house tucked away, with trees on both sides and no car in the driveway. It all seemed so quiet, so dead. There wasn't any sound at all. It was about 7 o'clock in the evening, or you could say nighttime, depending on how you see it. It wasn't quite winter yet, more like fall, and the daylight was fading, so it wasn't very clear outside. I turned on the full lights of the van and drove up the driveway. Normally, the older folks would come out to say hello, but since this was a new order, I wasn't sure what to expect. It could have been anyone, but I was thinking it might be an older person. Strangely, no one came out, and I didn't see any movement anywhere. The van was really noisy because of the refrigerators in the back, the battery packs, and the coolers, which vibrated and made a loud sound. Still, no one came out. So, I left the truck running and took the delivery out of the bag. I checked the labels again to make sure I had the right order, and then I picked up the tray and walked toward the front door. On this property, there wasn't a porch, just a straight front door with a bell to ring. I pressed the doorbell and waited, feeling a bit scared, but also annoyed because I really wanted to leave as soon as possible. I stood there for what felt like a few minutes, though maybe it was just one. No one came to the door, and no lights turned on inside. The house was definitely too dark to be empty, but no one was inside. I decided to ring the doorbell again. I didn't know what else to do. I had never been in a situation like this before. I was pretty sure there was no one home, unless the person liked sitting in the dark, or if this was some sort of joke. But even after ringing the bell for the second time, no one answered. My hands were starting to hurt because the two-course meal was quite heavy. I placed it down on the front doorstep and twiddled my thumbs, wondering what to do next. I couldn't hear anyone, and there were no lights on. The houses in the neighborhood were spread out, so it wasn't like I could just walk to a neighbor's house. I would have had to drive and disturb their evening if I went to a neighbor. I didn't really like that idea, so I chose to leave the order on the front doorstep and walked back to the truck. The lights were still on, and the engine was still running. I went to the front of the truck and grabbed my cell phone. I decided to call my boss and ask him what to do. This was a situation I had never encountered before. He answered right away, and I explained what was happening, how the person who ordered wasn't there. My boss said he would try calling the customer using the house phone number provided when the order was placed earlier in the day. I hung up, and almost immediately, my boss called back, saying that there was no answer on the line. I could hear the phone ringing from inside the house. The windows were thin, and the air felt a bit damp. I started feeling really strange. At that moment, my boss told me to just take the order back to the depot, so that's what I did. I walked back to the front doorstep and picked up the tray. By now, the food was getting cold since I had been at the house for about 15 minutes. I took the tray and walked back to the right side of the truck. I opened the containers and put the food back inside. 
most likely it would end up in the trash unless my boss decided he wanted to eat it. After locking up the truck, I walked around to the other side to get back into the driver's seat. That's when I spotted a shape on the front lawn right as I was opening the door. It wasn't easy to see. I had to squint and concentrate to make it out, but I could tell it was a person lying there. The shape was unmistakable. I stopped in my tracks and turned to look at it for a while. Then I called out, Hello. Of course, there was no response. They looked lifeless. I grabbed my phone and turned on the flashlight app. What I saw was horrifying. It was Mr. Stevenson, the man who had ordered the food. He was lying there lifeless in his own backyard. I called 911 right away. They came quite quickly, but they told me he had passed away a while ago. He had collapsed and somehow died. After they looked into it, they said it was a stroke caused by a blood clot. His brain didn't get enough oxygen and blood, and he passed away. I was the one who found him. His body was still there in the grass, and he just lay there without any life. All this time, I had been there to deliver his food. He was right there gone. I'm not sure if arriving 15 minutes earlier would have made a difference, but when the paramedics came, they didn't even attempt CPR. That made me think he might have been gone for four hours or more. His body was very cold, extremely cold, and his skin was pale. I didn't stick around for too long. I got back in my truck and drove back to the depot. This was not something I ever expected to encounter while delivering food to older folks. The man was old. He lived by himself, and that's why no one was there to find him when it happened. I was the first person to discover him, but I'm sure someone would have seen him during the day, as he was lying in the corner on the left side of his house. When it got light out, I was sure that if anyone walked by on the sidewalk and just turned their head a bit, they would have seen his beige sweater and him lying there. He wasn't lying in a normal way. The way he was lying seemed strange, like he had fallen with his face down. Most of his weight was on the right side of his face and shoulder. His arms were under his stomach, and his legs were a bit bent. It was tough to see, but there wasn't anything I could do.